0: The following message was recorded live at Three Strands Church. We hope it will bless you, encourage you, and challenge you in your journey of faith. We'd love to pray for you or answer any questions you have. You can message us at threestrands.church contact. If you have not been here last week or the week before, we oftentimes say this, but... A lot of times when we do a sermon series here, it's really just like one big sermon, and we break it down into two, three, five. Sometimes for David, it's like 12 parts, so um, it wasn't a shot, and just sometimes Bible books are longer <clears throat> than others, so uh, this one's kind of the same way, and so if you missed a week or two, you may want to go back and listen to the podcast, kind of fill you up for some things we're talking about today um, from parts one and two. So uh, week one, we looked at uh, Jonah chapter one, and last week, we looked at Jonah chapter two, and maybe just the first, I think, three verses Chapter 3, today we're going to finish it up, and so um, this is the final part of this series where we've been learning um, about Jonah, and today what's going to happen is our story is going to, going to take a strange twist. It's going to turn a little bit here. Uh, we've been talking about running from God, and I said last week that all of us at one point or another in our lives have ran from God. We've attempted to run from Him. And if you're here today and you don't consider yourself like a Christian or a religious person or even a church person, however you want to phrase that, I want to give you a heads up because today we're going to talk about something that's a little embarrassing to us as Christians. It's something you probably already know about us, uh, and it may be the reason that you don't consider yourself a Christian or a church person or, or whatever you want to call it. And here it is. It's because... You think the church is full of hypocrites. Ever heard that? Well, today I'm going to convince you that you're right. All right, that's what I want to do. It's kind of like the person who said, I don't go to church because there's so many hypocrites there. And I say, Well, just come on with me, just add one more, you know, because it's true. We've all been hypocritical in our lives at one point or another. The church is full of hypocrites, including the preachers. Let's just be honest. But today's passage exposes something in our hearts that we would like to pretend is not there. And you and I spend a lot of time trying to cover it up. And so if you're an unbeliever here today, please don't judge us too harshly. And if you are a believer, then let's just be open and honest about what we're going to talk about this morning and let's own it. All right, so let's jump right in this morning. We're in Jonah chapter 3. We're going to uh, cover those first verses again that we ended with last week. Let's jump in and start with verse 1. So most of you know the the backstory of of Jonah, especially if you've been here the last two weeks. But chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. So we said last week that after spending three days in the belly of a big fish I mean, we would do whatever the Lord asked at that point as well. No questions about it. If I've spent three days in the belly of a fish because I disobeyed, whatever God says, I'm doing it. I'm not going through that experience again. And and I want you to remember here that the Ninevites were enemies of the Israelites. They were wicked people. And so Jonah would have loved to have seen God wipe them off the map. Just just wipe them off the face of the earth. But God told him to go give this message to them that if they would repent, he would in turn relent. He would back off and not do what he said he was going to do. Verse 3. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now Nineveh was located in modern-day Iraq, the, the northern part. Verse 4 says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowd. Just kind of picture this. Him going around shouting to the crowds. Forty days from now, and Nineveh will be destroyed. That was it. That was what God asked him to say. He goes into the city, preaching this eight-word sermon over and over. Forty days from now, Nineveh's going to be overturned. So that was the the message, the, the sermon he was supposed to preach and proclaim. And when he kept saying that, Forty days from now, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. Guess what happened? Nineveh believed God and they repented. That's what happened. Look at verse 5. It says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast, and they put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard that Jonah, what Jonah was saying, He stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself in burlap, and he sat on a heap of ashes, just a symbol of repentance. So the king gives this royal decree that everybody needs to repent after he heard what Jonah said, and they need to repent so that God would not bring judgment on our city. Now, you would think, put yourself in Jonah's shoes here, you would think Jonah would be in shock, like, man, God just used me to preach an A-word sermon, and the whole nation's repenting. What a, that's incredible. They're obeying God. But we learned from church history um, that there may have been some things that kind of set them up for Jonah's arrival. The, the first thing is this. Within a five-year period, there were two major plagues that ripped through this part of the world that killed thousands and thousands of people. The second thing, about 100 miles north of Nineveh, Three warrior tribes had come together destroying everything in the region and they were moving towards Nineveh. So keeping those two things in mind, then comes this guy who's been in the belly of a fish for three days telling them to repent because the end is near and they believe him and they begin to repent. So we learn an important lesson here. Listen, that when God lays it on your heart or my heart, to talk to somebody about him, or invite somebody to church, many times you and I tend to think, no, nah, I don't know, God, they're, they're not that interested. Or, no, God, I'm not going to do that. They, they've already got their act together. But we learn here that oftentimes God is working behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts. And our tendency is to think that since they don't look interested, they're not interested. Since they don't look like they need anything, then they obviously don't need anything. Since they don't look happy, you know, or since they do look happy, then I'm sure they're happy. Since they don't seem to have any religious convictions, I'm sure they're not interested in anything to do with God. But guys, listen, aren't all of our stories a testimony to the fact that God oftentimes works behind the scenes to prepare us for the person that comes along to talk uh, to us about our faith in God, right? I mean, I I know in my life, uh, I think about the time period when Jesus saved me and and I began following him. I I can look back now and see that there were things that happened, that there were life events that occurred, that now looking back, I can see how God was preparing me. He was getting the soil ready to soften my heart for the seed to be planted now, if the story ended there in that last verse, that would be a great ending. I mean, we could just pray and go home, and it was good stuff. That, you know, Jonah runs from God, and, and God brings Jonah back, and, and God gives Jonah a second chance. Jonah obeys God. He goes to Nineveh. The people repent, and we learn the application that God works behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts. Therefore, we should be more bold and Talking to people about their relationship with God. Let's pray and go home. Great lesson, right? That would be good if it stopped right there. But what happens next is strange. I mean, if, we, if you and I were writing this story, we were making this story up, there is no way that you and I would take the story in this direction. No way. If we were going to make it up, we would do something totally different. So what happens next is convicting Because Jonah's response to the Ninevites repenting, it highlights something that's probably in all of our hearts, in one way or another. Let's look at verse ten, and and I've uh, put this in the New International Version. It says, "When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented, and He did not bring on them the destruction that He had threatened." And, and so God said, listen, they repented, they've turned back in my direction, the end is not as near as it was. So, so let's try to apply this to us. Let, let's say that, let's imagine that if God gave a message to a pastor today that he wanted delivered to America. And that message was that in 40 days, the United States would be destroyed unless they repented. And let's say that messenger addressed like Congress. It's on television, all the media outlets, social media, everything, just repeating the simple message 40 days from now, America's going to be destroyed unless you repent. And let's say that, you know, that he's preaching that message, that it's on television, and and just saying that, hey, God's had enough of America's immorality. Uh, God's had enough of the bragging about things that his son had to die for. God's had enough of the Grammy Awards. God's had enough of the politicians at the State of the Union wearing the abortion labels. God's had enough. The promoting of sin in our country. He's had enough. Forty days from now, it's going to be destroyed. And let's say the president heard that message. And he believed it. And he decided to encourage all of America to repent. And let's say the people do. The entire country repents. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't we rejoice at that news? I mean, it would be a nationwide revival of turning back to God. I don't know if you've been keeping up with, with what's going on at Asbury College, but there are like four straight days now of revival. The chapel's flooded with people just worshiping God all night and day. It's amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing on a national scale if that was going on? And we truly pray for revival in our country. But I want you to listen to what happened in this story. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. This change of plans, the people repenting, greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. Did I read that right? I mean, he preached the sermon, the people repented, God relented, and Jonah begins to get upset and becomes very angry. That doesn't sound right. How how in the world? Why is he upset and angry? I mean, what's going on here? That doesn't make sense. And guys, suddenly we learn something about why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place to begin with. Look look at verse 2. And so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that, that you would do this, Lord? In other words, he's saying, God, I told you this was going to happen. I knew it. I knew that as soon as those words came out of my mouth, those people would repent, and now I'm ticked off about it. To which we read that, and we go, no, 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 Jonah, you got it backwards. No, no, it's mission accomplished. Great job. Look what God did. And Jonah would say, no, that's the problem. The mission was accomplished, and I'm mad about it. He says, that is why I ran away to Tarshish. That's a hard word to say. That's a tongue twister. Try to say Tarshish three times real fast. But he said, that's why I ran there. And guys, here's what we discover. That Jonah did not run from God because he was afraid of the Ninevites, as we may have thought in chapter 1 or 2. Jonah ran from God because he was afraid of what God would do on behalf of Of the Ninevites. He hated these people. They had been national enemies. Jonah did not want them to repent, he wanted them punished. Then Jonah says something that shows that he just had amazing insight into God's character. And guys, this is in the Old Testament. This this is where it's blood and guts, and it's eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And you wonder if God ever had compassion. Samantha and I were talking this last week about the God of the Old Testament. Sometimes it doesn't seem like the God of the New Testament at times. But listen to what Jonah says here. Here's what a man in that culture in the Old Testament knew about God. You ready? Here's what he says. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God. You're slow to get angry. And you are filled with unfailing love. You are eager to do what? Turn back from destroying people. That's the God of the Old Testament as well. Jonah's saying, I knew you were a God who gives second chances, as we talked about last week. Jonah's saying, God, I knew you would do this. And listen to what he says next in in verse 3. Just kill me now. Just kill me now, Lord. I would rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. In other words, if you're not going to destroy them, God, just kill me. I'm done. And we read that and we go, what? What are you talking about, Jonah? Are you saying that if God doesn't destroy Nineveh, you would want him to kill you? Are you being serious? Wow. And I don't know, maybe he said that because he knew that eventually he had to go home. And all those people hated the Ninevites. And they may say, say, hey, hey Jonah, where you been? Nineveh. Where? Nineveh. Nineveh? And you made it out alive? Tell me about it. What what happened? Well, God decided he was fed up with them and and he was going to wipe them out. Well, it's about time. What happened? Well, I I warned them and and they changed their mind and now God's not going to wipe them out. And he's probably thinking, I don't want to go home and tell that story. They're going to be ticked off at me. They're going to be so disappointed because they want these people to pay. It's better that I die than if I have to take this news back home. I'd just rather die. Look at verse 4. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Jonah, he's saying, you're right. I am the God of compassion. I am the God of love. I am the God who relents. I'm the God who likes to withhold judgment whenever I can. And the reason, listen, the reason you know about it, Jonah, is because you just experienced it. As we talked about last week. You just experienced how I relent and don't give people what they deserve. You know firsthand, Jonah, why do you think I fished you out? Why do you think that I spared your life? I mean, you're the, one who, you're the one I spoke to and I said, go, and you said no. And you went the other way. I mean, if anybody deserves my judgment, Jonah, it's you. But you've received mercy and grace. I mean, how in the world can you turn to me and say that I shouldn't give others what I have so freely given to you? You of all people, Jonah, have no right to be angry. And can I just ask you this morning, have you ever been there? You ever been there? Have you ever been upset that God gave grace and mercy to someone else when you thought that they deserved punishment for what they did? Ever been there? Look at verse 5. And then Jonah went out to the east side of the city. And he made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He wanted to see what would happen, if it was going to be destroyed or not. In verse 6. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And as soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So so now all of a sudden Jonah's starting to cool off a little bit. He's not so angry. He's happy about this vine, that, that now that he's comfortable, shading him. Verse 7. But God also arranged for a worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. And guys, here's where it begins to get practical for us. In other words, here's this temporary thing, and you're all emotional, you're angry, and you're attached to something temporary that you didn't even have anything to do with, Jonah. Verse 11. But, okay, Nineveh, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, Jonah. God's telling them, he's saying, that means they're they're like kids, they're like children, Jonah. They, they hardly even know right from wrong. And one of the reasons that I'm relenting is because half of what they're doing, they don't even know it's wrong. They're like kids. They don't know any better. And he says, not to mention all the animals. I know it's kind of a weird thing to throw in right there. Uh, I mean, they're living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. That's like, what? But... My, guess, my best guess would be there. I agree with Charles Ryrie who uh, did my, the study Bible I have at home. But he says in this final touch of irony, it's as if to say, Jonah, even if you approve of the destruction of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, think about the waste of livestock that would be. He says, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city I mean, and if it were our nation or our city, we might say, yes, Lord, you should. If it's America, yes, you should feel sorry and relent. But not for Iran, not for Iraq, not for Russia, not for China, even in America, not for New York or Los Angeles or or San Francisco or Chicago. No, no. What those people are doing, that deserves to be punished. And God exposes here our hypocrisy. That's what's happening. In other words, he's saying, Jonah, you're concerned about all the wrong things. You're concerned about whether or not they get what they deserve and whether or not you think that you're getting what you deserve. You think that they deserve judgment and you're mad at me because I'm not giving them what they deserve. And Jonah, you think that you deserve comfort and you're mad at me for not giving you what you think you deserve. But Jonah... You know what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned about making sure that nobody gets what they really deserve. And church, that's a good message that we need to hear. Because we don't want what we really deserve. Thank God for his grace and mercy that you and I don't get what we really deserve. That's what God's concerned about. That we don't get what we really deserve. And he's saying, Jonah, I've invited you to partner with me in the process. But you are so concerned about all the wrong stuff that you can't seem to get on the same page with me about what I'm most concerned about. And guys, here's where it starts to get really personal for you and I. Because the truth is, in general, in general, in a general way, we're concerned about people coming to know Jesus. I get it, but in the details of life, in the right now, in the moment, the truth is there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. We can be far more concerned about whether or not when we're at the restaurant our food was delivered in a timely manner than we are the person delivering the food, the waiter or the waitress, can't we? We can get more emotional, about our food that's going to fill us up for just a few hours, how it's cooked. We can get more about that than we can the person that's going to live forever somewhere. And I'm a little bit like Jonah. I can get all worked up and I can get concerned about all the wrong things. How about you? Isn't it amazing, the emotions, the concern, The anger that you and I can express over stuff that like 24 hours later doesn't even matter. And we totally neglect or overlook the people involved that are going to live forever somewhere. I mean, you get more concerned about the manicure than the manicurist or the service on your car than the mechanic. We never even think about the person. And God says, Jonah Kenny, Three Strands Church, I know that you have a general concern for people. But in the moment, in the day, in the circumstances, are you allowing some momentary, silly concern to block you from what I'm really concerned about? Do you know the measure of spiritual maturity, whether you're spiritually mature, spiritually mature or not? You want to you know if you're spiritually mature? Here it is. When our concerns line up with those of our Heavenly Fathers. In other words, when we become concerned about the things that concern God, that's when we're spiritually mature. Jonah was concerned about all the wrong things, and maybe we are as well. For years now at our house, we've hosted a teen life group, And as you know, that middle school age kids, they don't give the utmost care to like personal hygiene. And one day, several years ago, it's a long time ago, okay, I'm not talking about anybody in the room that goes there now, but they had been outside playing football, and, and they came in sweaty and took off their shoes, and, and one of them just plopped right down beside me on the couch, uh, took their shoes off, propped his feet up, and took his arms, just resting them behind his head, and I was right here, and I'm not lying, his armpits smelt like onions, okay? I thought I was sitting next to the Grinch on, on the Christmas movie there. But you know what the first thing that came to my mind was, because I'm so spiritual? I thought, man, I wonder if this guy knows the Lord. Didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even think, think about that. Okay, I'm, I'm lying. That didn't cross my mind. You know what I did? I turned my head and tried to breathe. Okay, that's what I tried to do. I was about to gag and I was trying to breathe, okay? Um, the next week, he wasn't there. And I was relieved. Well, my sense of smell was relieved anyway. And while I'm confessing my sin, let me tell you what's even worse about this. Do you know why that I host a teen life group at our house? The reason we do it is to show teenagers what a relationship with Jesus looks like. But see, I'm like many of us in this area. In general, we believe all the right stuff. You know, Jonah's theology was perfect in the moment when it matters. In the moment when I'm caught between what concerns God and what concerns me, oftentimes I go with what concerns me. And that's convicting. Why? Because really deep down, I truly want to see people the way God sees them. And deep down, I truly want to care about the things God cares about. And guys, I don't want to spend any more time on little things that aren't going to matter an hour later. Neglecting that kid at the life group, neglecting people that are going to live forever somewhere. And the truth is, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us in this room. We've all been there. There's something within us that comes between our care for and our concern for other people in this world. Can I just ask you, what is it for you? What is that for you? For for some of you, it may be your reputation. Maybe we're so concerned about our reputation more than the people that we work with. Maybe for some of us, it's our schedule. Maybe you're like me and you've got a a schedule that you stick to in order to keep your life organized. But if we are not willing to adapt our schedule in situations where it's going to affect our relationship with non-believers, then that's a problem. I remember a a girl in college in our FCA huddle who said that her daily planner had become her God. And, And I laughed at the time. It didn't make sense to me then, but now I understand. And for some of us, we've been Christians for a long time. And we've got a ton of Christian friends. And we are so concerned about staying connected with them that there's never enough time or enough energy to really develop other relationships, to disciple believers, or to connect with people in your neighborhood or your workplace who are not believers. And guys, schedules and having Christian friends, those are good things until they slide between us and the main thing. So what is it for you? You're so concerned with that gets in the way of what God's most concerned with in this world. See, God's concerned about this generation of people, of teenagers, our neighbors, the guys in the office next door. That's what this whole deal is about. It's about people. So what is it for you that's so concerning but over time, it just really doesn't matter. Jonah was concerned about a vine to the neglect of people. And guys, as much as I want to be critical of Jonah, I've got a little Jonah in me. And I want God to re- remove that in me. How about you? We need to let this principle really grab us this morning and take hold at the heart level. Let me put it another way. Aren't you glad that the person who introduced you to Jesus thought you were more important than staying on time, than efficiency, than a schedule, than their reputation and their self-esteem, than them feeling rejected, that we were more important to somebody than all of those things? I think back to college, the God that led me to the Lord, man, He didn't just leave me hanging. He poured His life out into me. He he spent lots of time discipling me, including me, asked to be my roommate, and we lived together for the next three years. I mean, that's pouring out into somebody. And guys, I think if God were to take this message and He were going to speak it to us this morning, here's how it may sound. He'd say, church, I'm concerned about this generation of people. What are you concerned about? I'm concerned about this generation of teenagers. What are you concerned about? I'm concerned about your neighbors. What are you concerned about? I'm concerned about people all over this world in different cultures. What are you concerned about? He would say, I'm the God of compassion. I'm the God of love. I'm the God who is quick to relent. And that's why you've got a place in my kingdom. What is it that's so important to you that you allow it to get in the way of being concerned about what I'm most concerned about? Whatever that is for you this morning, would you just allow God to work in your heart to where one day that's out of the way, and that our concerns would be our Heavenly Father's concerns. If the band would go ahead and come forward, I just want to invite you to stand and sing just a minute as we sing this last song together. Would you just commit to doing that today? Just say, God, I want to, be cons- I want to care about what you care about. I want to be concerned about what you're concerned about. And I want it to start today. Would you tell them that this morning? Let's stand and sing this last song together. What an amazing challenge from God's word for all of us. We hope you start putting everything you've learned in this session into practice. Be sure to subscribe to the 3SC podcast so you'll never miss any new content. Thanks for listening.